0: Well, we're going to continue to worship the Lord this morning with our gifts and our tithes and our offerings. And I want to share with you guys something that's really pretty cool that happened uh, a couple weeks ago. North Rock Church, who was meeting in the Sheraton Hotel, I can't talk. It's what I do for a living, but I can't do it now. At the Sheraton Hotel in Ann Arbor on State Street, North Rock Church was meeting in there. And they moved in there. um, 242 used to meet there before 242 met here and now meets over yonder. And so uh, they, they contacted us and they came and they wanted to see how we set up the theater because they're actually moving in to the theater now. And so they came in. You guys, it's a great move for them. And I'm happy that, uh, you know, there will be some church that gets to see the horror movie Science Next to Kids check-in. <laughs> but it's not us anymore. But what's really cool is they came and they looked at it and we, you know, had our people accessible to them so they could answer questions. How do you do church in the theater? And we said, we have no idea. That's so how we're getting out. Uh, but... Um, <laughs> They were like, wow, you guys do a great job, and are you guys selling any of your staging or anything like that? And so uh, we talked to them, and I said, here's the deal. I don't, we don't like selling stuff because we're brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. So you guys can have our staging, and you can have our carts and all that kind of stuff. So, but here's what we are doing is we're trying to buy 320 bicycles for pastors in India. And trying to save them uh, 470,000 hours of travel time over the next 10 years so they can preach the gospel. I said, if you guys want to give towards that, then that's awesome. And if you can't give anything, then that's awesome too. And it's like, oh my gosh, that's incredible. We want to give to help pastors have bikes in India. So it was a win situation where more pastors are getting bikes. They're getting staging and all of that stuff. And Jesus is continuing to do it and be glorified in all of it. So... Thank you for your generosity that we can be generous with other people, which then extends uh, internationally to what God's doing all across the face of the earth. So, Father, as we give to you this morning, Lord, we thank of North Rock Church. We thank you that they're here in our city, God, that they're laboring with us to see more people be adopted into the family of God. And Jesus, in their services that are going on this morning, God, we pray that your presence would be poured out, that lives would be forever changed, that healings would come, that marriages would be restored, that hope would come. And Jesus, as they move into the theater, we pray that you would continue to grow them and increase what there is happening there. Jesus, thank you for North Rock. Put your blessing on them and the work that you've called them to. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Well, as that's being passed around, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, go ahead and turn to Isaiah chapter 60. That's where we're going to be hanging out today. And I just want to say it is so humbling to be here. I'm trying to get my thoughts together because all I want to do is cry (laughs) as I look out and I see what it is that God has done. Uh, if we just look at just our recent history, getting this building was a miracle. In 14 days, you all gave more than I ever could have hoped for so that we could move into this building and we could see the next chapter of Radiant Church start and reach more people for Jesus. And maybe the bigger miracle is that then in 13 days, we renovated this place and turned it into what it is that you see today. And if you were here at all this week, you probably thought this is never gonna happen. <laughs> like this is this is miraculous. And our tech team, I mean they've been living here for the last week. They're incredible. Yeah. And so many other people, I think Scott has a cot set up in the shipping container on the side. And, uh, you know, Jared's just been here all the time, and and so many other people have just not only been pouring financially into this, but they came here, and there was uh, sweat and tears and a little bit of blood that went into getting this place the way it is that you see it. And just as your pastor, this is, it's such a blessing to me to see that this isn't about me this isn't about even Anna and I or the team that came here to start it, that this is about what God is doing here. And you're all a part of that and your hearts are connected to it and you're behind the vision of what Jesus is doing. And it's because of that commitment to it that now we're seeing what it is that God's doing and it's gonna propel us into the future because this is just the beginning. This isn't the start. That made no sense, I'm sorry. This is just the beginning, it's not the end. I remember the beginning way back in the day because this church was one person at one point when I was in the World Prayer Center in Colorado Springs and I was praying and God spoke to my heart about going to plant a church and we were one person and then I called my wife and she was in LA and over the phone I told her that we were going to do this and God spoke to me and she started crying and they weren't happy tears and I thought there wasn't a lot of wisdom being exhibited on my part I had a lot of growing to do in that area but our church grew to two because she was committed too. And then I didn't know what to do. I had a vision for what it was that God wanted to do. He put that into me in a moment, but I had no idea how to get started on it other than to make my wife cry over the phone, you know, across state lines. And so I came back and I was all excited and started scouting out a location and God spoke to us about Ann Arbor, Michigan. And so I'm like, all right, now we've got to raise money. And I was like, I don't have money, but it takes a lot of money to do this. Stuff's not free. And so we wrote these support letters and sent them out to all our friends and families. And we're like, we're going to raise $125,000, and we got $500. And I was like, I am the worst person in the world at raising support, so Jesus, you better do something in this. And Jesus miraculously provided so that this could happen. When I saw him, there was no way it ever could happen. And then I was like, we need a team, too, because we can't just do it on our own. And so I asked, the first person I asked Cast a vision for what we're gonna do at reign Church Ann Arbor, and God's gonna move on the oppressed and set captives free, and it's gonna be awesome. And it's gonna change the city. And they're like, no. All right, and so then the second and third person I asked, they also said no. So I'm a terrible at raising funds, and I'm terrible at recruiting people, which means I'm gonna be an awesome church planner. And I'm like, Jesus, what is going on? But then he recruited, there were seven people. Radiant Church grew to seven people who left everything and came over here to start this church. And we still had no idea what it was that we were doing, but we had this vision of what it was that God was going to do if we would be faithful and if we would be all in on it. So we got together, we had no jobs, we had no money. So everybody came over to my house and ate. My wife was working part-time, so we, you know, we made like, family meals that we got together and we enjoyed those things. And we prayed we fasted because we didn't have money for food. <laughs> and we dreamed about what it was that God was going to do. And we began to just make friends with people and cast vision and invite them in. And Jesus built it to 25 people. And we thought we were on top of the world. And then we started and we we're like, we're going to have hundreds of people. We had 50 people. But it was still awesome. And four of you are still here from day one when we were just awful and had no idea what we were doing. But God continued to build it. And now, four years later, look at what Jesus has done. And now we're coming out of phase one of Radiant Church. Phase one was planting the church and actually surviving and not having it close up and end up on the street and going back home asking for my old job back. But Jesus has done something miraculous. And now we're moving out of that survival stage into a stage where God is going to cause us to thrive and he's going to lead us more fully into to the vision that he put in our hearts long ago, and the vision that he's continuing to confirm in the hearts of all of you who are a part of Radiant Church. And he's going to continue to build it. He's going to continue to lead us into the fullness of it. And this morning, what I want you to do, or what I want us to do as a people, is to come back to who we are as Radiant Church, who it is that God's called us to be, because we need to remember that as we move forward, because this is going to be a season of rapid expansion for us. And we're going to see God do incredible things as long as we stay faithful, Faithful and we stay true to who it is and what it is that He's called us to be. So our founding verse is found in Isaiah sixty, and it's verses one through five, and this is what it says Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar and your daughters are carried on the arm. Then you will look and be radiant, your heart will throb and swell with joy. That's where the Name Radiant Church came from. That's where the vision for Radiant Church came from. Was the vision that God spoke to Isaiah talking about what it was that he was going to cause to happen? in the church, in the family of God. And that's really what I want this church to be. It's what I want my life to be. And it's who God's called us to be. That first thing that we look at this verse is it's God has called us to be radiant. He wants us to be a radiant church. He wants us to be a church filled with radiant people. And that's what I want. I want my life to look radiant. My wife, as she's uh, you know, growing our baby and working hard at that, she's got to that stage now where she has that radiance to her. And it's an intangible quality. Nobody can say what it is a- about you know, someone that makes them radiant, but there's definitely something there. There's this glow. There's this sign of health and vitality. There's a joy uh, that's on her when she's not sleepless. She's really happy. Uh, but there's something about her that's just radiant, and you all know what that means. You've seen that on other people. You can't define it, but it's there. You recognize it in someone. And that's what God's called us to be spiritually, as a people who are radiant, So when other people look at us, when people who are unbelievers look at us and they see us, they might not be able to define what it is about us. They don't maybe recognize that it's the presence of God that's working inside of us, that it's the presence of God that's changing us, that's set us free, that's making us into his image. They just look at us and they see radiance. They just know that there's something that's different about us and it's something that they want for themselves. And that radiance is what then leads someone to the point of where they say, tell me about this Jesus who you've been worshiping. What is it that's going on in your life that makes your life so much different than my life. You know, it's no sermons ever gonna convince you to follow Jesus. As depressing as that might be for me as someone who preaches, it's not I can't convince you of it with words, with with clever logic and arguments. The only thing that convinces you of it is the proof of what God is doing in the people who are following him. It's when God speaks to your heart and he confirms his existence and his plans and his purposes for you. When you're just blown away by how good God is. That's what convinces you that you should follow Jesus and you should turn away from the old life that you were living. Repent of your sins and say, God, from this moment forward, I'm going to follow you. But that starts... With you seeing a church that was radiant or seeing some people that were radiant and it allowed God to stir something up inside of your spirit that wanted what it was that they have. That's what I want for this church. When we are going around, it's not just our name, it's not just a a sign that we have on our building, but it is the definition of who we are. That we're a people marked and defined by the presence of God that makes us radiate his love and his light into the dark places. And people are drawn to that. They're coming to it. We need to be a people who are radiant. But then it goes on to say that not only are we radiant, but that our hearts are going to throb and they're going to swell with joy. That's something we all want. You don't have to be a Christian to want joy inside of your life. Christians, atheists, and every single whatever it might be in between that, they all want the same thing. It's why we spend money, because we're looking for joy. It's why we go on vacations. It's why we buy puppies and then figure out that doesn't bring a whole lot of joy into our life at first. (laughs) It brings a lot of late nights and chewed up slippers. It's why we do what we do because we're trying to find ways to find joy inside of our lives because we were all created to experience joy. It was the natural state that we were created to exist in. But it's not the natural state that we find ourselves in now. So, we're going around and we're looking for things. Maybe it's your career, maybe it's relationships, a hobby, whatever it might be. But you're doing things because you're trying to bring joy inside of your life. But sadly, what we find over and over again is that so many things that we think are going to bring us joy to fill that hole for what we were created to have never lead us to that place. They continue to leave us empty. It's a search that never ends. I love Rockefeller was asked once when he became the richest person in the world, a reporter said, so how much more money do you need? He said, just a little more. The richest person in the world still didn't have enough money. It couldn't bring him the joy that he was looking for. The greatest athletes in the world, the greatest celebrities, politicians, whatever it might be, we always think if we just get to this place, if we have these things or this recognition, that's going to lead us to the place of where we're going to have the joy that we're looking for, but it always disappoints. So what is the joy that we were created to have? What it's talking about here in Isaiah when, when God's talking about what the church is going to look like. It says, this is the joy. This is what's going to cause our hearts to throb and to swell. It says, nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar and your daughters are carried on the arm. What God's called us to, be, to do is to see the family grow. That's what brings us joy. You as a Christian, I mean, that's why we exist as a church. When, we, when our radiance leads other people to come to the place of where they decide to follow Jesus, something happens inside of our hearts. It throbs, it swells, it fills with joy because we saw someone who was dead that has now come to life. We saw someone who was living as a captive that has now been set free by Jesus. We see someone who was hopeless that has received the hope that is found only in God. We see someone that was chasing after so many other things that just constantly led to more ruin and more destruction inside of their life. And now they're coming and they're receiving the things that only God can give them. Nothing makes me more happy in all of this world than when I see someone make a decision to follow Jesus. There is nothing greater in this world. And that's the joy that you were created to live inside of. That's the joy that we as a church were created. If we're not seeing that happen, we're not going to be a joyful church because we're not living up to what it is that God's called us to be. We're not living according to his design, intents, and purposes for our life. If we want to have joy inside of us individually and as, as a church, if we want to be a joyful church, then we have to be a people that are committed to seeing the family grow. Because so I was once far from the family. I remember what it was like when I wasn't a part of the family, when I wasn't following Jesus. I remember living in the disappointment of all of the the broken hopes that I had for this was going to make me happy, this was going to bring me joy, this was where I was going to find my purpose, this was where I was going to find fulfillment, and never finding it and just seeing destruction come into my life from everything that I was trying to do. And then I met some radiant people, and I saw what it was that God had done inside of their hearts, and I wanted that inside of mine. And it changed my life forever. And this is what we're going to be committed to as Radiant Church, is we're going to be committed to continuing to be sacrificial in our giving. We're going to be continue to be sacrificial in our serving. Because this building, I am, oh my goodness, I am so thrilled about it. Like, I am on top of the world, at least on top of the stage right now because of what God has done, and because of the new space that we have for more people to come in and receive the new life that we have found in Jesus. Because there are still hundreds of thousands of people in our county that have no idea what Jesus can do inside of them. Hundreds of thousands of people are still following after the lies. They're still putting their hope in hopeless things. They're still looking for life in dead places. And the blood that Jesus shed on the cross that completely changed me and gave me new life and a new destiny is the same blood that he shed for them. And the power that's at work inside of my life, the Holy Spirit that's working in me, is the same Holy Spirit that wants to work in their life to shape them into the image of Jesus and to bring them into the fullness of everything that God created them to be. And since Jesus sacrificed so greatly so that could happen for us, then we're going to continue to be committed to sacrificing greatly so that can happen in all of those who are around us. Because what I want more than anything is to see more brothers and sisters in the family of God. That is what we are committed to. That's why we bought this building, that's why God provided this building for us so miraculously was because his heart and his desire is to continue to do something inside of us and grow us and make us like him, but it's also to go out to those who aren't yet here. He wants to bring more brothers and more sisters into this family. He's adopting more sons and more daughters that can awake to their eternal destiny and the love and the goodness that he has for them. That's why we have this building. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to go out and we're going to continue to invite everybody to come in. We're going to go out and we're going to be radiant people that's going to compel people to come in and want what it is that God's doing inside of our lives. And this is what we're going to do, a second service. So, Like, make me do a second service. Invite so many people here and tell so many friends and family about what Jesus is doing. Tell them what God can do inside of their life. You don't have to bring them to church for them to become a Christian. You can tell them yourself about what Jesus has done. You hear me tell you every single week. It's all over your Bible. Look for those divine opportunities to tell people what it is that Jesus has done and how it is that they can receive new life from him. That's primarily how evangelism has always been done in the church. But in you know, the last couple generations, we've kind of flipped things around to where we think, I've got to invite my friends to church so the pastor can tell them about Jesus. But that's not the way it works. It works. You tell your friends about Jesus, they decide to follow him, and then they, of course, want to come in and be a part of the family and continue to grow and mature and worship together and pray together and get involved in small groups. Now, they don't have to be a Christian. I invite everybody to come, but understand that you're the primary means of evangelism for radiant church. It's not me. It's not anybody that's ever going to be on this stage. It's you. It's the people that God has given you influence in, your family, your friends, your coworkers, divine appointments that God sets up for you in coffee shops and on the streets and wherever else it might be. God wants to do miraculous things through you. He created you to be radiant. You don't have to bring them in here to experience the radiance of God. It's inside of you. Amen. You're radiant. Just go out and be radiant and good things are going to happen. Yes. And we're going to add a second service and when that one gets full, we're going to add a third service. And then we'll add a Saturday night service. And then we're going to get a new building. (laughs) And we're going to plant churches. And we're going to send people to do things. Because until the day when every person in our city has a life-giving, Bible-believing church to be in, where they can encounter the presence of God and continue to be a part of what the Holy Spirit is doing inside of us, then we're going to continue to do this. Or until Jesus returns, whichever one happens first, but this is who we are. This is the mission of the church. This is what we are about as Radiant Church. And I'm not ever going to be scared to continue to ask us to be sacrificial in this because other people sacrificed for us so that we could be here today. And God sacrificed the most. If we're being transformed into the image of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit at work inside of us, then that means that we're being turned into people who sacrifice so that others can come into the family. And why is it so important that we do this? Why is it so important that we continue to sacrifice and and experience the joy that comes from seeing the family grow? It says because see, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the people. I don't have to tell you that we live in a dark world. You just have to turn on the news. You just have to think about what's happening in the lives of your friends and in your family and your coworkers to see how they're living under spiritual oppression to see how they're living without hope to see the purposelessness in their lives Look at the addiction that we see Look at the abuse that we see the suffering that we see It's not just in third world countries It's not just in big cities It's in our city And that darkness that we see should never be something that scares us. It should never be something that causes us to be timid and to back down. It should be something that compels us. We need to find it unacceptable for that kind of darkness to exist inside of our family. It needs to be unacceptable for that kind of darkness to exist inside of our cities and in our workplaces. It has to move us to tears. We have, it has to move us to our knees because we've tasted and we've seen God's goodness. We know what it is that God can do inside of us. We've seen it firsthand. We're experiencing it corporately together. And people are still living so far from that because other people just haven't done their job and created spaces of where they can encounter God and his goodness. It was so unacceptable to God that Jesus gave up the glory of heaven gave up so many divine rights that he had and humbled himself to come as a servant of all, to come and to be beaten and abused and killed by the people that he created and that he loved so much. Why? Because he looked on us and he looked at the darkness that we were living in and he found it unacceptable. He wasn't scared of the darkness. He didn't retreat from the darkness. He didn't try to say, I'm a holy God. I need to just keep myself away from it. You're all on your own. He dove headlong into the darkness so that he could dispel it, so that he could bring light, so that he could bring life. He sacrificed everything for that. And we need to see the darkness. We need to recognize it for what it is. We can't live with our heads in the sand. We can't live saying, well, this isn't affecting me right now or maybe, you know, my, my spouse and my kids were all okay so I just got to try to protect them and keep them safe. Oh, that's not, that's not the life that God's called us to. That's not the image of Jesus. That's not what a Christ-like life looks like. He's called us to dive into the darkness and we don't have to be scared of it. I love this quote. It says that all the darkness in the world cannot extinguish the light of a single candle. Have you ever realized that? We think darkness is strong. A lot of times we think that the the opposite of God is Satan. No, it's not. God is all-powerful. Satan is nothing compared to God. Satan has been defeated on the cross. They're not equals. And if God is with us, who can be against us? Do we really believe that God's purposes and plans are undefeatable? Because if we believe that, then when we see dark places, we're going to shine a light on them. We're not going to say, ooh, it's dark over there, let's get out of here. We're going to light the candle and we're going to run into it because you know what darkness is? It's a void where light isn't. How do you get rid of darkness? Turn on a light. It's that easy. Darkness can't overcome light. It has to flee light. It's destroyed by light. And God's called us to be light. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. And that's such a descriptive statement of who it is that we're called to be. If we're the light of the world, what's light for? It's for dispelling darkness. It's for illuminating truth. It's for bringing life and vitality. If that's who we are, then that's what we need to be doing. He said that you don't light a candle and then put it under a bushel to hide it. No, Jesus lit us. We're the candle that got lit by Jesus and now we need to go out and go into every dark place to bring his glorious light to it. That's who we're called to be. That's what a radiant church is. That's what radiant people are. We have to see that darkness. We can't be scared from it. We can't retreat from it. We charge headlong into it recognizing that we are light. And that's why it says that because of this darkness we need to arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. So that fourth thing is that God's called us to arise and shine. That word arise means it's an active word. It's a statement of standing up so as to take action. And that's what God's telling us to do. You need to stand up for the purpose of taking action. You need to see the darkness that's around you and you need to say this is unacceptable. There's no more of this. This will not continue to happen in my life, in my family, in my city, whatever it might be. But I'm going to stand up for the purpose of action and seeing it dispelled. And then the word shine, it actually means to emit light or more descriptively, to become light. What God has called us to do is to become light. But Jesus. It says that Jesus is the light of the world. And then he goes on to say, now you are the light of the world. That's a pretty big passing of the torch. So how is it that that happens? How is it that when people look at us, they see Jesus, they see the light, the radiance, and the glory of Jesus? How does that happen? It goes on to say, for the glory of the Lord rises upon you. The reason that we're able to be light It's because God's glory has come upon us. And what that means is his presence. The presence of the living God is on you. When you made a decision to follow Jesus, it wasn't just that your sins were forgiven, that you had this future hope of a resurrection of your body and eternal life with Jesus. The Holy Spirit came and he began to dwell inside of you. You were made the temple of of the living God, the place where His glory dwells. And now everywhere you go, the presence of God is Into every dark situation where you go, you're able to be light. You're able to be Jesus, the image of Jesus to the people who are around you because the Holy Spirit who empowered Jesus to do all of the miraculous works and signs and wonders that he did is the same Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. The Holy Spirit who raised Jesus to life from the dead is the same Holy Spirit that lives and operates inside of you. We can be the image of Jesus. We can be the light of the world, not because of us, but because of God in us. And as I look at what this next chapter for Radiant Church is, this is what I see. We're a church of like 225-ish right now, which is awesome that God's done that. But what I see is a church of 500 is this next phase that we're going into 500 people who are hungry for the presence of God. 500 people that are recognizing that they have been called and empowered to be the light of the world by the Holy Spirit inside of them. 500 people that are looking for the dark places and not retreating from them, but going to the dark places and modeling Jesus, showing his love, showing the power of Jesus, declaring the hope that we have in Jesus and bringing people into this family that we're a part of. And then after that, it's a whole another chapter, chapter for Radiant and a whole other vision that we'll do another time because I don't want to freak you all out too much today. But this is where we're going and it's going to happen a lot sooner than we think as long as we stay faithful to who it is that God's called us to be and as long as we stay faithful to what it is that God's called us to do. It's time for us to be a Radiant Church more than ever before. Our city needs us more than it's ever needed us. And God has prepared us and blessed us more than he ever has before. And it's all for that purpose. We're going to go to the lost. We're going to go to the hurting, to the oppressed, to the abused, to the brokenhearted. We're going to go to the addicted. We're going to go to the hopeless. And we're going to see Jesus do in them what we've seen him do inside of us. We're going to be a radiant church. We're going to be the most joyful church because we're seeing the fulfillment of what it is that God's called us to. We're going to throb and we're going to swell and we're going to be filled with joy because we're going to see it happen. The sons and daughters who are far from God are going to come back to his home. From every nation, every tribe, and every tongue, Jesus is building himself a family. So this is what I'm asking of you today. It's time for us to recommit. All through Scripture, whenever God's doing something miraculous and you're moving into a new season, they do a couple of things. Is they revisit what it was that God spoke to them and who it is that God's called them to be. And oftentimes they build this altar as a way of remembering what God has done and as a way of saying, God, we're committed. God, we remember. God, this is what we're going to live for. And today we need to build an altar inside of our hearts. Say, God, thank you for what you've done. Thank you that you've provided this for us. And God, we're recommitted. We're re-upping more than ever before. Jesus, so that you would receive glory, so that you would receive honor, so that our city would receive life, so that the the oppressed would be set free, so that life would come to dead people, Jesus. Our life is going to be lived for you. And we're going to step out in faith. And it might be scary if you haven't lived this kind of a life before. It might be scary saying, well, what do I do? What do I say? Well, you know what the good thing is? The Holy Spirit's going to teach you. The Holy Spirit's going to lead you. And he's going to give you words. And over time, you might mess it up occasionally. We all do. But you know what? When I fell off my bike, when I was learning to ride my bike, my father didn't say, Jeremy, I'm taking the bike away. You just weren't ready. You're no son of mine. He said, get back up you held that bike and you helped me get going and let me go again and I went a little farther and then I fell and then he picked me up and did it again and again. That's the heart of a father. That's the heart of your heavenly father. He just wants you to try. He just wants you to grow in it. That's what he wants of us. And so we need to say, Jesus, I might not know how to do it, but you do and you live inside of me. God, I might not know what to say all the time, but you know what to say So I'm going to listen to you and I'm going to hear the Holy Spirit give me words to speak to people. God, when you tell me to pray for someone that they'd be healed, Jesus, I know I can't heal anybody, but you seem pretty good at it. So by faith, I'm going to pray for the sick. I'm going to continue to pray for the people I've been praying for for years and they're still not following after you. But I'm going to keep praying for them because I know that persistent prayers are powerful. And it says in Revelation that the prayers of the saints are gathered in the censer before the throne room of God and at just the right time, he adds his power to it and he sends it back down to earth. And I'm going to keep praying for the lost. I'm going to keep praying for my friends and family that don't know Jesus yet because Jesus' heart is for them. And he hasn't given up on them, and I'm not going to give up on them either. And I'm not going to be discouraged. Jesus, I'm going to continue to sacrificially give. I'm going to continue to sacrificially serve because my life, it's all for you. Every part of it. I have such a short number of years that are on this earth. And then there's eternity. And everything that I spend just selfishly on myself, it won't do me any good when I'm dead. But it could do someone else a whole lot of good right now. And there could be eternal rewards that come from that. It's time for us to re-up and to recommit. And Maybe you're here this morning and you haven't made that decision to follow Jesus yet. This morning he's speaking to you and what he wants you to know is that you are more loved than you could ever possibly imagine. That you're more accepted than you could ever possibly dream of. And that there are plans and there are purposes for your life that greater than anything you ever could have hoped for. And you can walk into all of those things that God has for you. The greatest thing about being a Christian is that I know Jesus. It's not just that I hope that there's a God or I hope that there's a purpose in my life. I know the purpose in life. I found him. I have found the one who loves me and accepts me. I have found the one who is my hope and who's leading me into this new life that I never dreamed of. I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing. This wasn't my dream. I'm not qualified to do this. This was never what I thought I would do in my life. But it's so much better than what I had ever planned for me but it meant that I had to turn away from my old life. I had to get to the point where I said, God, I might still have questions, I might still have doubts, and I might still have concerns, but I hear you speaking to me. And I've seen where it is that my life is taking me. And I'm willing to leave that behind now so that I can have the life that you alone can give me. I'm willing to leave all of these other things behind and follow after you so that I can know you. And if that's you this morning, God brought you here for a purpose. He gave us this building for a purpose you know, so that you could hear that message. He's been pursuing you since the day that you were born. He's been speaking to you. He's been trying to get your attention. Maybe you've even followed Jesus, but you've walked away. He's still calling you to come back. Because even when we're faithless, He is so faithful. And if you need to make that decision to follow Jesus this morning, we're all going to pray. I just want you to pray along with me. God, we come to you this morning recommitting our lives to you. So the plans and the purposes that you have for us. God, we celebrate what it is that you've done. But we also look forward to what it is that you're going to do. God, this morning we build an altar in our hearts. We're committed to you. We're committed to your kingdom. We're committed to seeing your family grow. And this morning, if God's been speaking to you and you know that you need to enter into a right relationship with him. If you want to know him, if you want to see life and hope from him, and just as a sign of that me, would you just raise your hand with every eye's closed and every head's bowed, but just as a sign of say, God, I want that life that you have to give. Would you come and would you do that in me? Thank you. Thank you for that. And right where you are, I just want you to pray this. Father, forgive me. God, would you send the Holy Spirit into my life now? I'm not going to follow my own way anymore, but I'm going to follow after you and your plans and your purposes for me. Make me the temple of your Holy Spirit. God, start a new work in me. God, I even pray that right now that you would fill all of those people raise their hand with a vision. Would you give them some sight, some idea, something in their mind to confirm some word to confirm to them that you're speaking to them of the future that you've called them to. God, over all of us, would you send waves of your love, God, that we would know you. God, we pray that this morning, that that once again, I love how as the apostles are praying after they've already been baptized in the Holy Spirit, they're praying again, and it says that the Holy Spirit falls on them again and the room shakes and they're all filled and they go out. God, would we have one of those moments now, God, that we would experience your presence like never before? God, that we would be filled, that we would be empowered, that our hearts hearts would be set ablaze, Jesus, that we would be compelled to go to the least, that we would be compelled to go and to speak and to demonstrate and to model you in your kingdom. God, thank you for this new beginning in our lives of every person who raised their hand. Thank you for the new beginning of this new season in Radiant Church. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to take communion together, and we're going to remember what it is that Jesus has done. And the ushers are going to be passing that out. There will be two cups, one on top of each other, um, juice on the top and the bread one on the bottom. And I want you to just hold on to those. While we you continue to worship for a little bit. And then I'm going to come back up, and we're going to take the elements together.